Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. What's up? You guys good? Who is ready for the snow to go away? Come on. It was, come on, it was so much fun while it lasted, but it lasted about two days too long, right? Come on. Missed you guys. I know it's been said like two or three times already, but we seriously, it's been two weeks. It's been the longest, well, maybe not the longest, but one of the longest two weeks of my life. So we were supposed to have church on Valentine's Day, but we didn't get to do that. And I had some really cool prizes to give away on Valentine's Day. So do you guys think I should give them away today? Since we didn't, no, I'll just keep them myself. Hey, well, my lovely assistant, Jennifer, would you join me up here, please? Come on, give it, give, give my lovely assistant a hand. She puts up with me every single day. So, so we've got a few gift cards we're going to give away. We've got a meal and a dessert that we're going to give away to two people. And we're going to do, I'll trade you four. Okay. So ladies, grab your purses, men, grab your wallets. We're going to see what you have that I want to trade for a couple of gift cards. So you got it? All right, you got it. She says don't touch. So if you have um, a receipt for something you bought for Valentine's Day, bring it. First person, a receipt for something you bought for Valentine's Day. Yeah, I'll take an online receipt. Come on, you can pull up on your phone. First person to bring me a receipt of something you bought for Valentine's Day. Anyone. People are digging. Like, that is a long receipt. There's got to be something on there. There's got to be something on there. Anyone? Dude's pulled every receipt out of his wallet. <laughs> Candy, chocolate, a card. Savannah got something. She's coming. Come on, come on, come on. But you bought it for Valentine's Day. You're in church, right? Come on, give it up for Savannah. Now, now. All right. So for this one, grab your cell phones. And you're going to text a dollar amount to 84321 so that you can give. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find a picture of you doing a snowman. A picture of a snowman that you built at your house. A picture of a snowman. First one up here. You got to bring it. You got to bring it. You got to bring it. Oh. <laughs> she doesn't play. Not just one, but three. Three snowmen. And two, two cats. Awesome. Good job. Good job, Vanna. Awesome job. Awesome job. So enjoy that little treat on us. Even if it's past Valentine's Day, it's always good to grab a good burger from Burger Republic or some coffee from Just Love. Awesome. Awesome. So... Two weeks ago, we started a new series called Relationship Status. Oh, it's not on the screen. <laughs> relationship Status. And we talked about leveling up your relationship status with the Word of God, and that as you improve the status of your relationship with the Word of God, you also improve your relationship status with God Himself. The more time you spend in God's Word, the more you get to know Him. And I'm telling you guys, we did a four-day um, devotion on version, and there were 61 of you guys that read along with us. So come on, give yourselves a hand. That is, I was bragging on that all week to my pastor friends. Like I got 61 people that I know are reading the Bible this week. And not only that, many of you um, 
took another step because we talked about you've got to read it, you have to meditate on it, you have to memorize it, um, you have to obey it, and then you have to teach it is the last one. A lot of times we want to avoid the teaching part because we're afraid we don't know enough. But all we're required to do is just to share what God is showing us. And many of you were sharing each and every single day at the end. So come on, I'm just so, so proud to see us leveling up and growing in our relationship status. So um, with God's word, this week, we want to level up with our spouse. It's real quiet in here. Now, some of you are like, I'm not married. I'm not. Listen, whether you're married, engaged, dating, or waiting, I believe there's something that you can pull away um, from this message today that will help you with your current spouse or your future spouse. But that's only if you're single now, okay? <laughs> if you're married, you can't be making plans for a future spouse, all right? If you're single now, I believe something that you learned today will help you with um, your spouse now or your spouse in the future. And so I was going to do this whole like dating game, just have you raise your hand, seeing who's been married the longest and who's single, and then kind of set up a kind of a, a Q&A session. For, I'm just kidding. I wasn't going to do that. But I do want to celebrate those of you in here that are married and that you've weathered some storms because let's just be honest, like marriage is a bedrock of uh, our, our, our nation, but it's something that's kind of crumbling. About 50% of, of marriages end in divorce. And it increases even more for second and third marriages don't last. And so if the enemy can attack a marriage, a husband and a wife, he just doesn't destroy two people. But if there's kids involved, that it affects generations. And, and, and I can speak to that because my mom and dad did not continue being married, the same with my, with my wife, and that, that we come from that. So we have made a decision that come, you know, heck or high water, we're going to stay married. And it's not always easy, right? Those of you who are married, it's like there are some days that are better than others, and there are some days you're like, will it ever end? That's just the reality of it. But there are those in this country that have been married for a long time. Like, so I was doing the research, like, who's the longest living married couple? And currently today... There's a couple, their name's Ralph and Dorothy, and last year, it was like, you know they're old when they're named Ralph and Dorothy, right? If that's your name, I'm sorry. (laughs) But they've been married 85 years. Come on, 85 years. He is 102, and they moved to California like three years ago. I'm like, come on, if they can move to California at 100, I... I'm not moving to California now. But before them, the longest living couple, they were 86 years married. And he was 105 when he passed away. Like, like that's what I'm shooting for. Like, I hope I live to be 85, but to be married 85 years. And so you're reading some of the advice that they have. And, and one of the things that, that she said, um, oh, the second couple that was married 86 years, their names were Herbert and Zelmyra. <laughs> Herbert and Zelmyra. And, and, and Zelmyra said that the secret to a long, happy marriage is that she gets her way and she lets him have her way as well. So you figure that out. But when, when, when you think of it, that's how it works in my house. All right, happy, listen, guys, happy wife, happy life, okay? Happy wife, happy life. But there's just something like... Like young girls, or at least in my house, my, my, all of my daughters started talking about marriage at a young age, and it just kind of happens with girls. They start thinking about like getting married at five and six years old, and I'm telling mine, you're not married until you're you know, 56 years old, maybe even at that point, but five and six-year-olds, because they see the Disney movies, and they think they're going to marry Prince Charming, and they think they're going to ride in on a white horse, and, you know, fairy godmother's going to show up, and there's going to be bluebirds kind of dropping the veil, and... They fantasize about being carried across the threshold, and they fantasize about their wedding day and what it's going to be like and just cuddling on the couch every single night. Guys, a little different, all right? We don't start fantasizing about marriage at five or six. We wait till like the hormones kick in. It's like 16, 17 years old, and, and we're not fantasizing really about the wedding day, but about the wedding night. I mean, am I right? Like, really? And so we're thinking we're going to have dinner. Every, my, my daughter's like, Dad, please stop. I'm in here. It's like, but we fantasize about having our 
dinner on the table every single day when we get off, right? We fantasize about the house being clean and my clothes being folded all the time, am I right? And, and, and cuddling differently every night, right? And so we, we both have these fantasies, and a lot of that is thanks to guys like Ed Sheeran and John Legend and Nicholas Sparks and all these creative people who build these fantasies, and then real life kicks in, right? Real life kicks in, and there's no dinner on the table every single night. Lucky if you get it a couple of times. Sometimes it's a bowl of cereal, right? That's just life. The toilet lid gets left up. The toothpaste cap gets left off, and maybe there's some hair in the toothpaste when you squirt it on there. Oh, not your house? Not mine either. I don't know where that illustration came from. (laughs) Clothes get left in the pile. It's like, I'll wear that again tomorrow. It doesn't smell that bad. (laughs) Clothes don't get put away, and so it's like fantasy just, just starts crumbling, like year five, year six, but it's a lot of fun. Your body changes. You gain weight and lose hair, right? You wake up in the morning and the person that you went to bed with may not necessarily be the same looking person. Their breath is stank. Like, I'm a drooler. Like, my wife didn't know that when we got married. Like, I drown sometimes because I drool so much. And so sometimes it's just not what you pictured it, right? I won't make you raise your hand because I want you guys to come back next week. But it's just not. And then kids come along. And just makes it all better, right? (laughs) They do in so many ways. But we have this vision of what we think marriage is going to be like. And then maybe the first couple of years, it's it's maybe close. But then year five comes, and it's a little bit different. My wife and I will be celebrating 20 years um, this year, 20 years this year. Um, We started dating actually at 16, um, dated through our freshman year of college, broke up a couple of years, then got back together and, and married. And we've been married, you know, 20 years this June, June 30th. And, and I purposefully made it the last day of June so that I could remember it. Um, but there's, there's, there are some things that, that we can all learn to level up our relationship with our spouse. And let's turn to Genesis chapter 2, and we'll look at, at the very, very first relationship, um, the first marriage, and, and learn some things there that I think we can all take into our relationships, whether, again, we're married, engaged, dating, or even if we're, if we're waiting. Um, a couple of parts. This is some things that I want you to understand, I want you to know. And then the second part of the message will be some things that I think we can, we can do to put into practice. So Genesis chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 22 will be on the screen, but I'll start with verse 21. It says, So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. This is Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of his ribs and closed up the opening. Verse 22, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed. And we read that just kind of at last, but dude was probably excited. Okay, it was anything like me, he was excited to finally have someone. It says, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh, and she will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are one. And then the last verse, it says, now the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. See, I think God realized that you know, sometimes, guys, we don't, we don't do so well alone. And if you look at the process that, that, that God took Adam through, is first he gave him some plants to take care of, and he must have done okay with that because then he gave him some pets that he had to name, and he must have done okay with that, that God was like, all right, I'll give you a person now. Let's see how you do with that. And so most of us, like, guys, if you're single, maybe start with a plant. And if you take care of that, then maybe upgrade to a puppy, and then God will bring you a person. But if we look at the process of, of how God works in this, in this scenario, in this relationship, and I think we can learn some things. Um, Adam didn't have to go through um, the stress and the trouble of finding someone uh, because he started out with his primary relationship, and that was his relationship with his creator. And so the first thing that we have to understand is that we have to make God our first priority and then your spouse. Whether you're married engaged, dating, or waiting. You have to make God your first priority and then your spouse. Because as you're making God your first priority, he's doing some things in you and changing some things in you 
um, that, that will make you a compliment to your spouse. Because so many times we try to look for our spouse to complete us. Back in the day, there was a movie, Jerry Maguire with Tom Cruise, and I can't remember who said it, but like the, the line was made to the, to the other one. It's like, you complete me. And I think it was the girl saying it to the guy, maybe. It's like, you, you complete me. And if we're looking for our spouse to, to fully complete us, we will be royally disappointed because that is too much pressure for a person to, to be put on. That is too much pressure for them to, to feel like they have to be everything that you're not. But what they can do is they can compliment you. And that the things that you're not so good at, they can compliment and help you. Like for me, I am totally, like I struggle with organization. My wife is my organization, okay? My wife is, can be kind of high strung and like just kind of intense. I'm her calm to her intensity, but I can't rely on her to be organized for me all the time. Because if I do, then at some point I'm going to say, okay, look, you're just being OCD. All right, you just need to stop. You're being a little crazy. Too. Because what I once respected as her, now I'm villainizing about her, if that makes sense. Is that, that if we are looking to them to complete us, we're going to be disappointed. And so the only person that can fully complete us is our relationship with the one who created us because he knows specifically the parts in us that are broken, the parts in us that are wounded, the parts in us that are missing, and only he can fully repair that. Not your spouse, not your fiance, not your boyfriend, not your girlfriend. They can compliment you, but they can't complete you. Deuteronomy chapter 6 Verse 4, and this says, The Lord is our God. He alone is one. And we are to love him with all our heart, all our soul, and all our strength. And so what you have to do is you have to make God your first priority. And then your spouse. It's almost like that, you know, when you're flying in a plane and they ask you to, when the oxygen masks fall out of the ceiling, do you put the oxygen masks on the people you're traveling with first or yourself? Yourself. You have to take care of your relationship. You have to put the oxygen mask on your relationship with you and your creator before you can rely on your spouse. Okay, so make God your first priority. The second thing is this. is, And this is hard, all right? You attract what you are, not what you want. You attract what you are, not what you want. That's, that's, that's why e, or Adam says, at last, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. Another way to say it is, is your vibe attracts your tribe, right? Who you are, you're going to attract. So if you want someone that reads the Bible, if you want someone that prays, if you want someone that goes to church, you're more than likely not going to find that person in the club. You might, but if you want to find that person, guess where you're going to find them? In church. You're going to find them in a small group. You're going to find them in relationships with other people who have the same value. So when, when Adam says, this one who is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh, what you're looking for is someone who has the same values, who has the same ideas, who has the same principles as you. Because let me ask you, like, do you want to find someone that doesn't have that and then try to fix them? No. You're going to waste a lot of years and you're going to waste a lot of tears. And some of you may have tried to do that. Some of you may know someone who tried to do that and you wasted a lot of tears and you wasted a lot of years because you wanted someone who had a specific set of values or a specific set of morals and you, you found someone because they were cute or because their car or because whatever, and then you tried to graft your flesh and your bone and your values, and it didn't quite work. Because you attract who you are, not who you want. So, so what does that mean? It's like, okay, go, go back to the first one. Make God your first priority. Your spouse, your second priority. Make the one that you pursue come after. Let me say it this way. Pursue God before you pursue your spouse. Pursue God. If you're single in here, pursue your relationship with God before you pursue your spouse. Because here's, here's what happens, okay? And we read this. Second, third thing is this. It says, it says that then the Lord God made a woman from the rib 
and he brought her to the man. Adam didn't find Eve. Adam was given Eve. Adam didn't go looking for a woman. God brought Adam a woman, okay? Now, let me speak to some of you who are seeing me like, Stephen, I've been waiting a long time. Would you rather wait a long time for the right person or rush into a relationship with the wrong person? I would much rather wait a long time for the right person as waste years and tears with the wrong person. It says he brought her to Adam. And I'm not gonna pretend, guys, like I know everything, the when and the how. God works and everyone's story is different. And some of you may be in here and you've been waiting for a while or maybe you've, you know, you've just been waiting a year and it feels like you've been waiting forever. I believe that as we pursue God, that he will bring us the right person at the right time. And it may be he's waiting on you to become the person for the person that he has for you. But see, we don't want to think about that. It's like not only is someone going to be the someone for you, but you're going to be the someone for someone else. And so he may be waiting on you to become the person for the person you're supposed to be with. And so there's things that you do. I mean, practical things like just prayer, scripture reading, Bible reading, small, whatever you want in your spouse, start becoming that for your spouse. For you. Come on, I got a clap right here. <laughs> and so let me tell you what I do with, like, and for those of you who are parents with kids, start praying for your, spou- for your kid's spouse now. I've been doing that since my kids were little bitty. And there's, there, there's a passage of scripture in the Old Testament where it says that God singled out Abraham and that Abraham would lead his family in the ways of the Lord. And so every night, almost every night, I pray for my daughter's husbands, even though they're not going to meet them till much later in life, all right? And, 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 and that's, that's my prayer. It's like, God, after they've graduated high school, graduated college, got their master's, got their job, bought their house, <laughs> like all those things. It's like, but I'm praying specifically that God will single that person out. And so maybe for you, that needs to be your prayer. God, single that person out. And that, you know, if it's he, that, that he would lead me in your ways just as Abraham led his family. And maybe for the guys in here, you want to start praying for that Proverbs woman. Start praying for that woman that's going to honor and respect and love you. But also know that as she honors, respects, and loves you, you also have to love, honor, and respect her in the way that Christ did for the church. See, so many times we won't look at those verses in Ephesians that it says the wife is to submit to the husband, and the husband is to love the wife, and we want to take that out of context and think, I tell my wife to make a sandwich. She should go make a sandwich, submit. No, (laughs) right? You read the verse before that. It says submit to one another. Submit to one another mutually. And so, husbands, we have the responsibility of loving our wives sacrificially just as Christ loved the church. And I'll be honest, like, I don't get that right, you know, a lot of the times. And wives, you're to honor and respect us just as the church follows the leadership of Christ, which, you know, can be difficult sometimes. It's like, all right, I really feel like we're supposed to... But Let me come back to the husbands for a minute. Totally off notes. Uh, But I feel like I need to share this. It's like, guys, we need to make sure we're in tune with the Holy Spirit and with what Christ is saying in our lives so that we can lead our wives and lead our homes in the way that we're supposed to. And it's only then that we can lead with not our authority, but with God's authority. And that we then in turn can help our wives feel safe, help our wives feel confident, and knowing that we're going in the right direction as long as we're not driving, right? But that we're taking our lives and our family in the right direction, if that makes sense. This is totally off notes and just led by the Holy Spirit in this. But I, I, I really feel like that as we do these three things, that as we pursue our relationship with God and that we work on who we are and realize that, you know, even if we're married, don't try to change your spouse Become what you want to see in them. And scripture says over and over is that, you know, they see that in us and things change in them. And then Adam didn't find Eve. Eve was given to Adam. Matthew 6, 33 says this. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. 
Say above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. And so guys, if you're in here and you're waiting, just continue to seek God. Continue to seek God in his kingdom. And if you're married and your marriage isn't going the greatest, just continue to seek God and his kingdom. And I believe that as you do that, that he will begin to restore some things that are missing. And if you're single, I believe that, that in time, God will, will bring you that person and you won't have to find them. God will bring him at the right time. So let's learn um, kind of how we can level up. Let me give you some practical things. I'd like to be practical. Let's improve our relationship. Ephesians 5, 31 says this. It says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become what? One. The two will become, so a man will leave his father and mother, be united with his wife and the two will become one. So hold that thought. And then we look in Deuteronomy and we're gonna pair it with this verse. The Lord is our God. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. So when a husband and wife comes together, they are what? One. And it says that the Lord our God is what? One. And that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, and all all of our strength. And I think that we do that together as a couple, that when the two become one, guess what? It's not just you alone doing that, but it's you and your spouse doing that, loving the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. But at the same time, we have a responsibility to love our spouse the same way. Because the scripture says to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and the second is just as equal to love your neighbor as yourself. So we're to love our spouse with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength. And so what that looks like is it looks like loving our spouse with all of our emotions. Loving our spouse spiritually, leveling up spiritually with our spouse, and then also physically. And so we're gonna spend just a couple of minutes on each one of these and give us some practical things that we can walk through together to improve our relationship with our spouse that we have now or the spouse that God will bring us in the future. And so what does it look like to love our spouse with all of our heart emotionally? Well, I've got four things. And you have to date, communicate, don't hesitate, and celebrate. All right, they all rhyme. I grew up listening to hip-hop, so you get a lot of rhyming messages here. So you have to date. If you're married or engaged, and remember how easy it was to date when you first started dating. You didn't have a lot of responsibilities. You could change plans on a dime, but then kids came and responsibilities and work and mortgage and bills, and sometimes we just stopped dating. Have you ever been through seasons where you just stopped dating? I've been, we've been through seasons where you just stop dating. Like the last two years, honestly, we haven't dated the way we needed to because we've been planning a church and moving to a new city. And, but you have to make time to date, to reconnect if you're married. The flip is, is true if you're single. Don't date a lot. Because if you're dating a lot and breaking up a lot, you're just practicing divorce. So don't date a lot if you're single. If you are married, guess what? Date a lot. Communicate. Have the hard conversations. Communicate. Let each other know how you're feeling. If you're single, here's what you do. Let people know where you stand. Let the person you're going out with, let them know where you stand as far as values and boundaries and expectations. That's one thing my wife did from the very, very beginning. It's like, here's the line. You step five feet from it. And that's where you stand on anything. She's like, you can come to my church, but I'm not coming to yours because I wasn't really going to my church faithfully. You have to communicate your expectations if you're single. If you're married, sometimes we just stop talking because work has been rough. The kids are crazy. And how many times we've been sitting across a meal just kind of silent or on our phones when it's a perfect opportunity to have a conversation. 
So let me give you something. This is easy. Get within five feet of your spouse and just talk for five minutes. Just start there. Five feet, five minutes, and communicate. So date, communicate. Third one is this. Don't hesitate. Don't hesitate to have the hard conversations. Don't hesitate to have the hard conversations. If, if something's going on you need to address, don't cover it with a rug. Don't bury it because guess what happens? It just builds and builds and builds and builds. And if you're trying to cover it over a rug, put a rug over it, it's going to pile up. You're going to trip over it. Something's going to explode. Have the hard conversations sooner than later. And the last thing is this, is celebrate. Celebrate what you see in your spouse that you want to continue to see. Celebrate because what gets celebrated gets repeated. Date your spouse. Communicate with your spouse. Don't hesitate to have the hard conversation and celebrate. That's how we grow emotionally, by spending time together. Spiritually, how do we grow with all of our soul? How do we grow spiritually? Relationships grow with time. And these are all things that we probably know, but we probably, as husbands and wives, we probably don't do them as well or as much as we should. And the first one is super simple. Pray together. It's basic. We've talked about how simple basic is, right? But we don't always do the basic things. And when I say pray, I mean like pray. Let your spouse, husbands, listen to me. Let your, let your wife hear you pray. I don't care if it's uncomfortable or awkward because at times it is. When I first started, I mean, even as a youth pastor, like I could pray with teenagers all the time and I could pray like, like I could pray hard and like strong for teenagers. But then when I would just be me and my wife and I would feel like I need to pray with her, I was so timid because it felt awkward. There was just two of us. It wasn't like this is just, it was more intimate. But the more that I've done it, guys, the easier it has become. And so pray with your spouse. Let them hear you pray because that will build them up more than you know. Read God's word together. The Bible app makes it so easy for us to be able to do this, do devotions together. You know, several times a year, we will do a devotion together, just the two of us. And we do the same thing and you read it. And then at the end, we share what we saw or what God showed us in the devotion. And then we spend time talking about it in the evening. Do we do it all the time? No, but we do it enough that it strengthens our marriage. So spend time praying together, reading God's word together, worshiping together. Come to church together. Come to church together. Worship together. Grab your spouse's hand and worship together. There's just something about being in God's presence together. It strengthens you. There's a scripture in Ecclesiastes that says, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And that is you and your spouse. Guess who the third strand is? It's Christ in the middle. It says when two or three are gathered together, he is there in our midst. It says that he sits on, he is enthroned on the praises of his people. So when we come together as a church family gathering in worship, we're believing that his presence is here. And when you're here with your spouse, you're being strengthened in that moment. It may not feel like it. It may not seem like it. And you may have to gone through all kinds of heck just to get here, to get your kids out of bed to fight, you know, ice slopes to get here or whatever. But God honors that and he rewards that and he strengthens you as a process of it. And this is another one, serve together. Serve together because it's just something like incredible happens when you're greeting and, you know, we're, we're in the middle of growth track and we're bringing people on the team and seeing some of the ones that are already on the team, on our A-team, serving together. You see them laughing. You see them experiencing the same thing together. There's a couple here that there's, there's a gentleman that's been walking past our church each and every single week and just a gentleman in the community. And, and one of our uh, parking lot greeters has been out there and been talking to him and came in and got him coffee and felt like he needed to pray for him. But... He wasn't sure how to, so he came in and got his wife, and they prayed for him together. They grew together in that moment. God just does a work in your heart, in your relationship when you're serving together. So pray together. And again, I know this is basic and practical, but sometimes, how many times you go to the dentist and your dentist asks you, have you been flossing? 
and you're not flossing, right? But it's just so simple and so practical that we fail to do it because we think it's not going to have that great of an impact. Or maybe it's like the day of and, and oh man, thank you. And, and you're trying to floss everything out. You haven't flossed in three weeks, hoping that will fix it. It doesn't fix it in the moment. But here's what happens. Sometimes our marriages get on the rocks and we try to fix it immediately. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start fasting. I'm going to start reading my Bible and I'm going to try to fix it right now. And it doesn't fix it right then. Because two years ago, you should have started that. And you would have been strengthened over the course of these two years that when you got to this storm, you could have weathered it a little better. So don't wait until you're in the middle of the storm to start praying, to start reading, to start serving, to start worshiping. You do that long before it's ever on your radar. So that way when the storm comes, you're strengthened while you're in the storm. Does that make sense? Don't, don't, don't wait until everything's falling apart and expect it to work. It may, and I've seen it work, but you should have been making the preparations before to grow with your spouse spiritually. And if you're single, guess what? You may not have a spouse, you may not have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you may not have a fiance, but you can start doing these things now. And what you're doing is you're strengthening yourself for when that time comes, for when God brings you someone. So grow spiritually, grow emotionally. And the last one is to love physically. And I think really churches do a poor, time, a, a poor job of talking about the physical aspects of a relationship. Um, and I'm going to be candid just for the next couple of moments, but I'm also going to be real, and I'm going to um, just share that intimacy, physical intimacy within a married relationship is at times like the glue that holds it together. And we fail to talk about it in church, and we allow culture and the world to talk about it, and they do a horrible job. And we have a warped perspective on what true sexual intimacy is meant to be. And so I'm going to let scripture speak for a lot of this. You guys can tell I'm nervous at this part, right? And so like I've been back and forth, like, do I talk about this? Because then they forget everything else I've said. (laughs) Do I put it at the end so they forget everything? Do I put it at the beginning so they hear nothing else that I say at that point? But I think it's valid in that we have to understand what healthy physical intimacy looks like within a marriage. So I'm going to read the message translation. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 6.16, and I believe it it may be on the screen. Uh, Paul says this. It says, there's more to sex than skin on skin. Sex is as much a spiritual mystery as a physical fact because it says the two become one. And, And I love the way the writer puts it in the message because it breaks it down. It says that it's more than just skin on skin. It's more than a physical fact, that it's a spiritual mystery. Like something happens when when two people come together physically. It's not just something physical that's happening, but it's there's a spiritual connection that is taking place. And I can't, you know, even pretend to tell you that I know exactly how it works. If Paul can't do it, guess what? I can't do it. But he says something happens. And we have to realize the importance of that something. We have to realize the magnitude of that something. For those of us who are married, this is what Paul says, all right? If you're married, you have to be active. We'll just leave that there, all right? If you're married, you need to be active. Paul says, says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Someone asked the question, he says, is it good to have sexual relations? Paul says, certainly. I would have said, Absolutely. But look at this. It says, but only within a certain context. It's good for a man to have a wife and a woman to have a husband. And I I love the way Paul writes this. He says, sexual desires are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced, fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. Is it good to have sexual relations? Yes, certainly but within a certain context. And and Paul says sexual desires are strong. And let's just like be honest, right? From the time guys are like 15 or 16, that's all we think about. But within the right context, within the context of marriage, it says marriage is strong enough to contain those desires. 
And he goes on to say, he says, the marriage bed is a place of mutuality, the husband seeking to satisfy his wife and the wife her husband. Marriage is not just a place to stand up for yourself. Marriage is a decision to serve, whether it's in bed or out. Marriage, get that, marriage is a decision to serve, not a feeling to have. Marriage is a decision to serve. So think of it this way. We went to a marriage conference, my wife and I, a few years ago, and, and one of the guys that was speaking, um, his name was Jimmy Evans, and he wrote a book called Marriage on the Rocks. And he talked about the marriage bed, and I'd never heard this. And first I thought, dude, where are you going with this? But then it made complete sense. The marriage bed is similar to the communion table. And that whenever we take communion, we are reminded of God's commitment to us. And as husband and wife, when we come together in the marriage bed, we are reminded of our commitment to each other. And so some of us may have been too long away from the communion table, right? Maybe too long away from the marriage bed. And we need to come back to remind ourselves of the commitment we've made to each other. Because Paul goes on to say, he says, look, these desires are so strong that if we're not careful, Satan has a way of ingenious ways of tempting us when we least expect it. See, we keep husbands and wives, we keep each other pure by spending that time together and providing for each other. And so as husbands and wives, we need to be active. But then on the flip side, if we're single, guess what? We need to be abstinent. We need to be abstinent. Paul goes on to say, says, since we want to become one, this is 1 Corinthians 6, 16. Since we want to become one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. That kind can never become one. Wow. Let me read that again. We want to become one with the master. We must pursue the kind of intimacy that avoids, we must not pursue the kind of intimacy that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. That kind can never become one. There is a sense of which sexual sins are different from all others and that sexual sin, we validate the sacredness of our own body that we made, that were made for God, given and God molded love. So what we do is, is we destroy the sacredness of our own bodies that were made for God given and God molded love for becoming one with one another. And so here's, here's what we have to realize. Like there is more, more that's going on than just flesh on flesh. And so as a single person, understand that it's more than just flesh on flesh, that there is a spiritual commitment that is being made. And that it says that that type of intimacy avoids commitment, leaving us more lonely than ever. And I don't know, like I'm not getting all up in your business but I'll let the Holy Spirit get all up in your business. And then if you're single and you're thinking about a relationship that you're in now, or if you're dating in the relationship that you're in now, do you have the appropriate boundaries? Do you have the appropriate boundaries that will prevent loneliness? Do you have the appropriate boundaries that create that life-giving, God-molded, God-created love that's meant for you? If not, you need to set those boundaries. And maybe you, in past relationships, you didn't have those boundaries and you walked away from that relationship wounded. God can heal and restore you so that you can create those boundaries for your next relationship. And I know this is a heavy topic, like I'm sweating up here, right? But it's an important topic because I've seen too many relationships ruined because they didn't have the right boundaries. I've seen a few marriages ruined because they made the marriage bed about themselves. Whether it was the husband being selfish or the wife being selfish and they didn't take care of it, like marriages were ruined. 
And so we have a responsibility as husbands. We have a responsibility as wives to, to love our spouses emotionally with all of our heart, making sure we're spending that dating time, conversation time. We have a responsibility of loving them spiritually, praying together, reading the Bible, growing spiritually. But then we also have this responsibility of coming back together. And so here's, here's where, we need to, where we need to land, where we need to get to. And this is what Paul says, Ephesians says that marriage is an illustration of how Christ loves the church and he gave up his life for her. Husbands, we have a responsibility to love our wives sacrificially. Wives, we have, you have the responsibility to follow your husband's leading as he follows Christ. So how do we level up? Goes back to the first thing we said. We pursue our relationship with Christ above everything else. We understand that we attract who we are, not what we want. We understand that, that God will bring us the person at the right time. And when that person comes, we love them emotionally, we love them spiritually, and then we um, love them physically, right? I want us to close our eyes and bow our heads. Paul says this. He says it's the responsibility. Marriage is an illustration of how Christ loves the church and he gave up his life for her. Now Romans says, Romans 12 says, don't pretend to love each other, but really love each other. And then 1 John 3.16 says, we know what real love is, that Christ gave his life for the church and that we should accept that. And I just feel like in this moment, I want to speak to some of you who have been trying to pursue and find a relationship with another person. And you've been looking for that relationship to complete you. You've been looking to that relationship to fulfill you, to meet every need, every desire. And you find yourself broken. You find yourself empty when that relationship ends. And so you look for something else. Or maybe you're even here today and you don't have that and you see yourself as less than because you don't have that. Because you're looking for someone else to fulfill what only Christ can fulfill. It says, don't just love each other, but really love each other. It says, we know what real love is and that Christ gave his life for us. And maybe even if you're in here, you're married and you're looking for your spouse to fulfill that completely or your fiance to fulfill that completely and you feel like they're failing, you're looking to the wrong person. You need to look to the one who created you. You need to look to the one who gave his life wholly for you. And let him complete you. Let him fulfill you. Let him strengthen you. that starts with a relationship with Christ. Maybe you were in a relationship at one point with Christ and you've just walked away just through seasons or whatever, or maybe you've never had a relationship with Christ. And right now you sense something stirring in your heart, in your soul, in your mind. You just feel like something needs to change. And that change takes place when you say, Jesus, I give you my life. And if that's you and you're here today and you say, Stephen, I need to make a change. I need to give my life to Christ. I've been pursuing and other people what only Christ can fulfill. Would you lift your hand with every head bowed and every eye closed? Simply lift your hand. Most of us in this room may be okay today. 
But if you didn't raise your hand, I believe that maybe you raised your heart. I'm gonna pray for the couples in this room, the engaged, those that are married, engaged, dating, and waiting. That God would, would guide and lead and direct us in those relationships as we follow him. And for those who have made a commitment, I wanna pray for you too, that you would realize that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Let's pray together. Father, I just come to you this morning. God, I thank you for your presence here. God, I thank you for your word, that it challenges us. God, your word says that it cuts between bone and marrow, between soul and spirit. God, it reveals who we are. God, I pray for the marriages in this room, God, whether they've been married a year, whether they've been married 50, 60 years. God, I pray that they would walk as an illustration of how you love the church. God, that the husband would learn to walk and and love sacrificially as his wife follows him. Knowing that as she follows him, she's following you, Father. God, I pray that if there's storms that they're in the midst of, God, that you would, would be their guidance, God, that you would be their ship, God, that you would be their anchor. Father, that you would bring peace within the home, God, that you would open ears and open hearts so that conversations could be had, God, so that emotions could be felt and words could be heard, God, whatever healing needs to take place in those marriages. God, I pray that you would strengthen the already strong ones, God, that you would bring provision, that you would bring even tighter unity, Father, that you would show them the purpose that they have together to make you known. God, for those that are single here today or if they're dating, God, I pray that they would draw closer to you. God, knowing that you're creating them to be the person that you want them to be. That regardless of the time that they've been waiting, God, that you're working on them. You're strengthening them. You're creating the character in them that you want to see in them. God, you're developing your purpose in them. God, don't let them get discouraged. God, let them stay following you. So Father, for those that maybe didn't raise their hand, but they lifted their hearts to you, God, I pray that they know that every, every heartache, every sin, every misstep has been forgiven as they give you their life. God, that they know that they are forgiven, that those sins are, are put as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. God, that they would walk this day in new creation. They would follow you and trust you. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand clap this morning.